Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects podcast. Full house again today, so I'm joined again by Nicholas Blank. Hello, everyone. Warren's here. In a hotel. Hello. <laughs> Warren is in a hotel, so, you know, Wi-Fi is, uh, you know, <laughs> it's uh, it's costly for him at this point. So if you, if we all lag up now, we know why. Um, and then we have, a, we have a really awesome guest today, and, and you know, we have, a, a, I think, a subject that we're, um, we find fascinating, somewhat uh, somewhat challenging at times, and you know we'll, we'll call it the S word for now. And it may not be the S word that you're thinking about, but uh, we're joined uh, from the Netherlands uh, by uh, Koos. Uh, Koos, I hope I got your name right there, and uh, yeah. why don't you introduce yourself and, and, and tell our guests uh, who you are and, and what you do. Sure. Yes. Hello, everybody. Yeah. So uh, you did pronounce it right, and that's uh, that, that. That doesn't happen often with an uh, English-speaking uh, people. Yeah. So my name is Koos Koos Gosens from the Netherlands. I work for a company called Wortel, uh, which is a one of the larger Microsoft service providers in the Netherlands. Um, my official role there is called a Microsoft Cloud and Security Consultant, uh, but that's uh, in practice quite broad. So after consulting with customers. I also like to build stuff. Uh, so going into the deeps with ARM templates, PowerShell, and, uh, and DevOps pipelines to build their uh, cloud infrastructure. And the last couple of years, my focus shifted a bit towards uh, security, uh, particularly uh, Microsoft Sentinel. And uh, so I did some nice projects with that. And that opened up a new, uh, a whole new category of work uh, where I had to work to get closely together with, uh, with uh, the SOC and the security analysts to build detections, onboard all kinds of weird log sources, uh, build, make workbooks for them and help them with automation to make their uh, SOC more efficient. So uh, yeah, uh, uh, SOC is also an S word. So we can also talk <laughs> about more about that. Yeah. <laughs> we have SOC, we have Sentinel. Unfortunately, we don't have SharePoint uh, as, a, as an S word today, oh, but uh, you, did, <laughs> you did say, uh, you said ARM templates and, and DevOps pipelines and Warren, I, you just, you know, the biggest grin because you're talking his language. And if, you know, if you had mentioned the K word, yeah. Kubernetes, then uh, he would have been. <laughs> ex Although, ecstatic. I mean, it, 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 is, it is moving to Bicep now, right? So what's your take? Do you, have you played with Bicep yet? Yeah, no, to be honest, I maybe deliberately ignored it a bit <laughs> because uh, I'm still more familiar with the JSON uh, way of defining things. Uh, I also find it yeah. better readable than the YAML uh, counterparts because if you indent a line incorrectly, you, your whole uh, uh, everything is, is messed up. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, you're saying moving towards Bicep, are they actually going to abandon the JSON approach then in the future? I'm not aware of that. Look, I... I don't think so. No, um, I think it's more just a different interface language. I think then, uh, I mean, to get rid of the whole JSON vibe inside of Azure would be incredibly difficult. I mean, everything's built yeah. on R, right? So, I mean, yeah. you deploy something through uh, PowerShell. I mean, you deploy something through PowerShell, let's say, right? Or the, the AZCLI or the portal, or whatever it is, or an API call, it's doing arm in the background. So I, I, I think it's just a different interface language. I don't think it's going to go anywhere. I think it'll always be there. Um, I mean, me, myself, personally, at the moment, I'm using more Terraform. Um, I'm finding Terraform, yeah, I, it, it's also a little bit ag agnostic. Um, and you can do a lot of cool configuration. And I'm going to say the word Kubernetes. Um, <laughs> um, How do bingo you know, cards like deploying, 
yeah. You know, deploying things like that actually works incredibly well with Terraform. And, yeah. You know, like, and, you know, it also, again, I think that's a nice segue into the whole archetype of thing. I mean, Microsoft, and not to punt the product, but, like, you can manage resources anywhere now. Um, you can manage them on-prem. You can manage them in AWS. You can manage them in GCP. Um, you've got Stack HCI. I mean, it's all built around the Arc technology. And I think that becomes quite important when it comes to deployment and management of that stuff. I mean, like, if we had to segue into Sentinel... Um, Sentinel, I guess, could be expensive, if, especially if you're pumping a whole bunch of stuff into it, yeah. right? But sure is it? Is. I mean, if you if you if you're like replacing like a Q Rock um, from IBM or something to that effect, I mean, is it? Um, I don't know. I mean, where do where do you, as somebody who has worked with it, draw the line? Like, what do you need in Sentinel, and what yeah. do you need? And that's that's one of the tougher questions when you start with a Sentinel engagement. No, and the second one is is what is going to cost us Sentinel? It's it's impossible yeah. to say that without knowing how much data you're going to put into. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, it's it's obviously a different approach with an with, with a well dare I say a legacy sim solution. Uh, you pay upfront mm -hmm. uh, or maybe with some maintenance costs, and you invest in a lot of hardware and software beforehand. And uh, now with yeah. Sentinel, you pay for every uh, amount of data that you ingest in it. Um, so yeah, I, my advice is always be careful with the onboarding because if you are going to approach Sentinel like you did you, with your well, uh, legacy SIM solution and you're just going to onboard as much logs as you have just to build that massive data lake of logs and well, just, just keep the logs and who knows where we going to use them for somewhere in the future that's i think the, the the incorrect approach because you're wasting a lot of money there uh, uh saving and storing processing logs you're probably never going to use so when you start exactly. fresh with sentinel uh, and you want to migrate from an existing scheme i think it's important to uh, to categorize and, 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 and research what kind of logs you're now pulling into your existing uh, SIEM solution and determine if everything is still needed in the new one. For example, if uh, customers also use the Fenifer endpoint, for example, on all their endpoints, but also servers, you might argue that you won't need all those Windows and Linux events anymore from those individual servers. There might be particular use cases, particular application servers, database servers, or whatever uh, specific needs you might have for some audit uh, logs from those machines. But in general, you might argue that those you, you won't need all to onboard every single server through Arc or through the native uh, Azure platform into Sentinel anymore. So the thing is also you don't know what you don't know, right? So um, would it would it be good to like turn it all on at first? I mean, know that you're going to have some sort of a massive spike. See what it is that Sentinel can tell you. And then if you find the information unuseful, turn it off. Like, yeah, I think that turning that it off will probably never happen anymore. Um, ah, but okay. And, and, and your costs are going to be massive uh, when you start using Sentinel. Um, yeah, I, yeah, again, my advice is always would be to start with deciding what you actually want to protect. 
So if you have a particular database server where you want some uh, some active detections on, or uh, for example, you have an application which stores login information into a database, so you want that particular uh, rows pulled in from that database into Sentinel, those are good use cases where you can build detections around. So I am always uh, an advocate for advising, uh, advising my customers to decide, okay, you want to onboard these logs? Why do you want to onboard them? What do you want to get out of those logs? What detections are we going to write for them? What kind of incidents do you want to be triggered? And what do you want to happen when an X, Y, or Z happens? But the difficult thing is obviously with networking uh, logs, for example, that's always a uh, discussion that, that comes by. Um, do you want to set up NSG flow logs? And do you want to capture all of your network traffic of your on-premises networks? Um, yeah, like you said, you might need it in case of an emergency. And then that is the moment where you need it the most. Uh, and then you hate it when you have decided to not onboard it because it was so costly. Um, so luckily, Microsoft now offers uh, different pricing tiers for your logs as well. Mm. So ingesting those network logs might now become more beneficial to ingest them as the basic, uh, basic logs tier, which is much cheaper but then you at least have the data. You cannot actively trigger incidents on it, but in case of a major breach or whatever, you can at least investigate and pull out those logs and search for certain IP addresses or certain traffic or whatever. Mm. So that, that, that's, that's something that's quite new, uh, which might be interesting then. Question for Kaus. Like... <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, Sorry, you what? go. Okay, so, I'll go. Yeah. I, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna. Sorry, it's gonna, it's gonna tail off on that, right? So, go on. When it comes to the pricing, right? Um, so, a lot of people have this uh, notion that Microsoft is ripping people off when it comes to this stuff, right? Um, especially when it comes to Sentinel, Defender for Storage, all that stuff, right? But if we have to take into account the bigger picture on how much computing power is actually being used to analyze this data, okay? How do you then justify that to said customer? I mean, they want to drive a Rolls Royce, but they don't want to pay for the Rolls Royce, right? So they wanted to turn on Defender for Cloud, I mean, Defender for Storage, let's say, and they want to analyze all their blob for malicious stuffs. But when their bill comes at the end of the month, they're like, no, sorry, we, we don't we don't have this anymore. You're going to have to give us a discount. I mean, like, hold on, guy. <laughs> hold on, wait, okay. So you want to drive the Rolls Royce. You don't want to pay for the Rolls Royce. But we must now give you a discount on the Rolls Royce that we built. Like, how do you, I mean, how do you even entertain that conversation now? Like, how, who do you prove it to? Well, you could look at improvements instead of enabling uh, the vendor for storage across uh, all your subscriptions and all your storage accounts. You might want to funnel in uh, particular storage accounts which have really interesting mm. data for interesting for, for security purposes. Maybe separate them into a separate subscription and enable the vendor for storage there and disable it on all your other subscriptions. That might be an approach. And it's still cheaper to do it that way than ingest all the data into Sentinel. So that's that's where Sentinel comes in quite nicely. So it can pull in all the data from Defender for uh, Storage or Defender for Cloud as a, as a whole mm. uh, for free in Sentinel. So you don't pay extra uh, 
uh, for that. Uh, but yeah, storing it in Defender for, for, for Cloud is all also co also costing you money. But we have countless examples, obviously, of of uh, people of, of uh, organizations being breached and the costs of of those kinds of security breaches. Um, yeah. And yeah. Well, we we try to 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 mirror that to our customers and and show them what what risks they are might be taking. Mm. So there's there's something just for the, the sake of this episode and for our listeners that I'd like to refer us to, and we'll put it in the show notes, but it's a, a URL and it's aka.ms forward slash MCRA. So that's um, the, uh, the, the Microsoft Security Reference Architecture. Now, one of the things that we get out of that architecture is that Sentinel is there to solve a problem. And the, the takeaways for what you get out of the, the MCRA is that if you don't have an architecture, then Microsoft will give you one. And we have uh, customers, or actually, I think not just customers, the, the easy way to look at a tool is that I need to go implement a tool and it'll solve something for me, but I ne don't necessarily have defined the thing that I want to solve. So... Implementing Sentinel doesn't make you secure. No. Implementing Sentinel requires a process and a methodology and a problem that you want to solve. So the that we can look for things in Defender for Storage, for example, actually means that we have thought about that storage is a vulnerability vector for us, and that's part of the problem that we want to solve. And just implementing Sentinel and plugging a whole bunch of Defender bits onto it and then complaining about the cost of storage, to me, sounds like you actually haven't defined what it is that you're doing with security operations and how Sentinel fits into that, but that you're looking at implementing Sentinel as a product and Defender as a product and hoping that that automatically gives you a process. Well said. Uh, yes, okay. I mean, uh, that, you know, so I have a couple of thoughts on this, right? I think I like to compare this. And when I have this conversation with customers, oftentimes, I, I like to compare this to like the days of mom. Let's take a journey to 2005 <laughs> and talk about Microsoft Operations Manager, right? Mm. Because at that time, customers kind of heard about this thing called Microsoft Operations Manager and went, well, if I install every management pack and I enable every single check, I'm... I've got monitoring, right? But you ended up with so much noise <laughs> that yes. all those things got turned off or ignored, right? And I, I think it's a very similar situation here. It's like you can, it, it's very easy to, to get kind of pulled into, well, hey, I, I, have a, I have a 40 gate everywhere. And guess what? There's a 40 gate connector that just puts everything mm -hmm. in, or from my 40 gate into, into Sentinel. That's got to be good, right? But if you don't actually have that plan about what it is you're wanting to do or look for, or protect from your 40 gate stuff, then what good is that data? So yeah. we get it we kind of caught into that. I, I like the point you made because I think it, 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 it's a great way to, to make that point. Um, the other thing I want to talk about is cost here because I oftentimes folks complain about the cost of Sentinel, but then they haven't actually looked at what the competitors in the industry are doing. True. So if you look at Splunk, look at Logarithm and, mm. and you know what I mean? Ain't no free ingestion tiers, right? When you when you're looking at those, because they're mm, they're third-party mm. products sitting yeah. completely on their own, 
Whereas at least like yep. if you're using Sentinel and you already bought into the Microsoft ecosystem, mm. you're going to get some benefit from some of the free ingestion stuff. And I forget exactly what's free anymore. And Mike, Warren might know or you guys, but you, you know what I mean? There's some benefit there as well that people mm. tend to overlook. Let's, let's hear from Coase in terms of the, um, so since you do this for a living and you, um, I know that you don't go out there wildly swinging products into, into customers and just switching them on. Give us your thoughts about um, having a, a strategy and a tool not being a, or product not being a strategy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one thing I want to uh, want to add to what what Chris and also Warren were, were saying uh, 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 compared to the to the to the other sim solutions, we see I see small and medium sized businesses complaining more about the pricing of Sentinel, which didn't have an existing sim solution yet, and the larger enterprises still it's it's priced okay because Splunk or RSA NetWitness or whatever was was way more costly even. So uh, that's also interesting uh, to, to see that comparison. Yeah, um, Nicholas, like I mentioned before, I think um, it, it might be beneficial to also use Sentinel more as an orchestrator, uh, so to speak, uh, to orchestrate all of those different Microsoft security products together instead of just dumping in all of your logs you can uh, you can find everywhere. Uh, so the example I gave earlier, when you have Defender for Endpoint, for example, running on your servers, it might not be really necessary to ingest all of those uh, raw logs anymore from all of those machines uh, the same goes for uh, uh, your security logs from your domain controllers maybe defender for identity also captures all of those raw logs and all also has the intelligence and the compute power to to make sense out of that out of it and generate alerts for you which you can ingest freely into sentinel uh, and that way you don't have to ingest those raw logs and create those detections for let's say Kerber roasting or a misuse of, of accounts yourself um, so I try to advise my customers to, to embrace the orchestrator, orchestrator side of things from Sentinel, uh, also to be more cost efficient. But obviously, that works best if you have all those Microsoft security products. And uh, well, we like to think that every customer has an E5 and everything uh, available. But in practice, uh, uh, that's unfortunately not always the case. Uh, so then you have some hybrid solutions in between. Um, yeah. So I, I think, um, so to your point about smaller businesses, right, often having this, I think what's happened with Sentinel is that it's SIM and the whole concept of, of that has become an achievable goal now for a smaller business, right? Whereas before there was always, a, and, and whether it was right or wrong, there was always this perception that, well, we can't have a SIM uh, in our environment just because we're too small or we can't afford it or, or whatever, right? And so that's one of the things I think that Sentinel has done to the market where, it's it's made it a, an affordable kind of goal or, or, or sort of thing that that organizations can now kind of get into, right? But again, I think the 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 detections and then running some sort of automation uh, once you have a detection that becomes really really important, right? And yeah. and I think um, you know I've seen some of the content that you've that you've put out recently about uh, sort of automating detections and doing some really cool stuff with that. Can, can you I mean can you give us an example of like why that stuff is so powerful? And why yeah, you could sure. take take a, a simple event on a you know on an end uh, end user workstation and actually build a process around it. 
Yeah. Yeah. So for example, um, uh, 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 what, what I tell my smaller customers as well, the, if, if, the, if you have E5, it can already be beneficial to enable Sentinel and in, in ingest and collect all of the incidents from those different products to Sentinel because that is for free. You can ingest that for free. Uh, so you can right away benefit from a lot of uh, uh, things that Sentinel is capable of, like automation. Uh, and why is that interesting? Well, if you see... Uh, and, and uh, things have changed a bit as well in a couple of years, three years ago, when I started out with Sentinel for the first time, uh, we didn't have the, 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 the new security portal yet. We had a different portal for MCAS and we had a different portal for this and that. And you had to go through all those different portals to, to have an overview of your incidents. And Sentinel is already a great way to aggregate all of those incidents together into one view and see what what happens in all of these individual products. Now with the new portal, it may have been become less uh, of a big deal, but but still. Um, and, and you can automate that. So for example, if you receive uh, an alert from uh, Defender for Cloud uh, telling you that there will have, uh, have been uh, a PowerShell obfuscation on a machine, and you look into the incident and you see that uh, a particular user is used or a particular combination of factors uh, means that that incident is not a real threat because it is part of your automation process or whatever kind of process you're running, you can create a, an automation task in Sentinel to automatically close that incident when all of those conditions are met. And then it also closes the incident or the alert in uh, Defender for Cloud, for example. Another example can, can be, and I think that's what you're referring to, is you can enrich your incidents with, with external data. Uh, so uh, Sentinel leverages uh, Azure Logic Apps for their automation uh, purposes. Um, and I recently wrote an article about how you can use the VirusTotal API, for example, to push your file hashes uh, being part of the, the alerts and incidents from Defender for Endpoint, for example, automatically push those hashes to Fires Total, retrieve the reports, and add them to the incident in Sentinel. And that way, your security analyst doesn't have to go out to the Fires Total website, uh, him or herself, and paste in the file hashes, which is probably what they do all day long when they work with these kinds of incidents. So automating these kinds of tasks that so the security analysts are repeating over and over again make them more uh, uh, make the SOC more efficient, of course, and uh, uh, cool. let them have more time to focus on more elaborate uh, stuff. Um, yeah. And there are it's countless like, examples of that, of course. So yeah, it's like, over... it's like power automate for adults. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Logic App is obviously uh, quite similar to Flow, what people have been using from an office uh, side of things. Uh, but you have more abilities to to retrieve data from external applications or external sources. Uh, another example I uh, I show uh, quite frequently is uh, that, uh, for example, if an alert is shown, uh, Microsoft has a lot of uh, uh, default detections where there's rare in the name, uh, like a rare RDP connection or a rare login from a rare location or a rare device, etc. Um, and it determines the fact that it's rare based on on a relatively short short time frame. So when you get a rare uh, dot 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 incident in Sentinel, you can pull out your uh, logic app, 
to determine if it's really that rare. And then with a KQL query back to the workspace, you, you can query earlier alerts and logs and see if it's really that rare. And if you extend the time frame to, let's say, 60 days, if it's still that rare or if, if maybe you have seen those alerts before, and that can determine to auto-close the incident as well afterwards, for example. That's cool. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you like KQL. You 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 like KQL. Is, is, well, is I'm not sure if I I saw it this week again. I uh, I guess from Microsoft. <laughs> I think KQL is the new PowerShell. We all have to <laughs> learn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, well, hang on, I think hang KQL on. is going to become a standard. Uh, it definitely seems like that is that is a thing. But uh, isn't Graph the new PowerShell though? Right. So, yes, but what well. I mean is what I mean is we're 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 used to doing so much with PowerShell and we're shifting that mm. now to to doing it with, with graph, right? So whereas before we were running yeah. commandlets, now we're passing mm. JSON. Um yeah. and, yes. and, and so yeah, bad joke, obviously. <laughs> but, well, but that's true. <laughs> we're moving more and more towards APIs instead of PowerShell modules. That's true. You see that uh, on the Microsoft end as well. Microsoft, uh, for a long time, didn't have a, a Sentinel uh, module, for example, for PowerShell. Actually, one of my colleagues wrote a PowerShell module for Sentinel. The AZ Sentinel module was quite famous for the first couple of years until Microsoft came up with their own version. Um, to be honest, at Wartel and my customers, we don't use the module at all because it still has some limitations. So we just communicate with the Sentinel APIs, which are a lot of different versions of it by now. So that's also uh, quite a hassle. Uh, when yep. every new version comes out, you have to use a particular API to leverage the new functionality. But uh, yeah, so deploying uh, analytic rules and automation rules, etc. We do that all from uh, from code as well, uh, from through the through the APIs. Yeah. Do you? That's a that's an interesting thought, though. Do you know if the because there's the PowerShell the graph SDK for PowerShell or the PowerShell graph SDK? I'm not sure exactly what how the name goes, but it's the the it's basically the module that you install. Uh, it's a PowerShell module that you install that then gives you the graph wrapper, right? So, mm -hmm. so to get like, um, uh, is it is it uh, uh, you know get dash mg user would be the, the the user commandlet instead of you know doing a graph API call, you could just say get dash mg. Do you guys know where I'm going with this? Do you do you know like what I'm talking I, about? I, I, we don't use we don't use that. Okay. We just we just yeah. register an uh, an, app, an an app uh, prints of a service principle at our customer, or we use right. light, use Lighthouse to use our own um, and grant that access into their Sentinel environment, and just then we just communicate to the to the graph APIs uh, with Directly. that uh, okay. bearer token from that uh, principle. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I was wondering if if that. Um... The, the the graph API SDK for PowerShell, whatever it's actually called, I'll look it up in a sec, uh, has has Sentinel commandlets built into it because it's it's a little funky and I, I, I haven't worked with it in, in the last uh, little while, but the last time I did, it was it was kind of wild because it didn't, it was kind of a way to obfuscate the graph, raw graph. So you're essentially still working in PowerShell and running PowerShell commandlets, but the commandlet is doing a graph call, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't, it doesn't behave like graph behaves. So if you're used to passing JSON and whatnot, it doesn't behave that way. But it also doesn't behave the way PowerShell commandlets used to behave. Oh, really? Back okay. in, and so you're in this like weird headspace because you're you're looking for stuff and you, uh, it doesn't sort or filter or do anything the way that you expect. 
so it was, you know, it slowed my my progress on that down just a little bit. That's not something I'm familiar with particularly. I have some experience yeah. with the Microsoft Sentinel module, uh, but it has a lot of limitations. So that's why we moved away from that. Just and, using uh, Grub. The module is, is also using the same APIs in the back, uh, of course, yeah. but uh, it doesn't use the new uh, preview APIs, for example, to leverage the newer features. Yeah, I think generally How do you the... The, the the way forward here is is to learn graph right is and just use native graph and use javascript or use power like whatever you want to do to, to connect to the to the graph instead of trying to powershell stuff um, i think tony redmond wrote an article about this just recently as well like uh, a couple of days ago we're gonna have to start paying tony uh gonna have to start paying tony royalties because we keep mentioning his articles on this <laughs> podcast <laughs> he's gonna come after us for guinness money um but how, how does this work for um, ro role, roles and access, right? Like you being a, like a vendor, okay, and using APIs to programmatically access a customer's Sentinel, um, mm -hmm. which is essentially like everything. Um, yeah. I mean, the insight into that data is, is hardcore. I mean, you That's know. That's true. We've got we've got a lot of problems. Well, I wouldn't say problems, but you know, when a particular role inside of Azure has like by accident too much access, um, so take a storage role for instance, right? You got a storage contributor role, which you need to make policy changes on the storage account, but you can also see the access keys to the storage account, which allows you full control over the storage account and the data yeah, inside it. True. Right? So like. When it comes to these granular permissions and, uh, you know, going in as a vendor to a customer and saying, well, I'm going to fix your Sentinel, I'll write a whole bunch of automation. I mean, how do you, what role do you get? <laughs> yeah, well, how many, um, how many contracts do you have to sign, you know? One of the things we do is first we, uh, when, when at Wartel, we provide a, a fully managed detection and response service. So we have a 24 seven uh, security operations center with, with security analysts looking into these, the incidents being, being fired at our customers so that the customer doesn't have to do them themselves, or maybe they're too small to have a fully, uh, a fully decked out security team themselves. Um, so when we onboard our service to them, we, we use Sentinel and we deploy a Sentinel workspace in their environment. But first we request a, uh, a separate subscription and we do that uh, deliberately so that we can uh, enroll Lighthouse onto, onto, onto the subscription scope so that we don't need access to any other parts of their environment. We only need access to Sentinel. Uh, obviously, they need to help us out, maybe onboard certain log sources if that uh, eventually uh, uh, is necessary. Um, so for Sentinel, for the deploying of the workspace, we we uh, we grant, we have an, a, a service principle which is an owner because we need to set permissions as well, all by code and from our pipelines. We have everything mm -hmm. set up uh, predefined. Uh, but then obviously we also make use of the built-in roles Microsoft provides. So you have the Sentinel incident responder and the Sentinel contributor roles. We use them for additional tasks after the fact. When it, when everything is set up, we only need to deploy new rules and automation rules. So we don't use the owner. Anymore. Anymore. And we do automatic key rotation mm. on that every day. So we rotate the service principle has a has a has a secret which is only valid for a couple of days, a very short time period, uh, and and we rotate it every day. So that's uh, and and if they want to uh, part with us, they can just 
throw away the whole subscription and everything we've set up and all access we had is, is gone. So uh, we use that approach. So I'm guessing you don't make any of this stuff public. I mean, like, I mean, you know, us being MVPs and things, we're all on sharing and things. I mean, do you make any of your stuff like, like GitHub available for the average Joe to like perform some sort of? Well, I think some uh, uh, as a company in general, and me and my colleagues are already quite open with everything we do, and that's why we also try to share a lot of stuff through our uh, blog posts. Um, uh, so it's, it's no big secret. Well, obviously we, we, the whole, and, and, and we, there's no real, uh, intellectual property involved with this, that we're just using the, the, the guide rails and, and everything that Microsoft has put up for us. So, uh, using Lighthouse as an MSSP for Sentinel is already uh, defined by Microsoft. They also have a whole document about it, uh, and show you how you can also deploy if you, if you want to keep intellectual property to yourself for example maybe very specific detections you build for your customers with lighthouse uh, you can also decide to not deploy the analytic rule in your customer's environment but keep it in your own environment but then the kql query refers to an external workspace so then you can keep the intellectual property for yourself so the customer cannot see what's inside the detection we don't use that we just deploy all our detections out to our customer uh, because it's it's more easily because all the incidents are also being triggered in the workspace of the customer. What we do have, however, and this is also because Sentinel, when we started with this, uh, like I said, three years ago, um, we, we built our own application internally, which connects to all of those individual Sentinel workspaces to give one aggregated view of all the uh, incidents because Microsoft only later added Lighthouse support. They only later came out with a multi-workspace view where you can get one overview of all the incidents. Then it was still limited to several workspaces. Then it was limited to 20. And I think now it's limited to 100 workspaces. So by creating our own tool internally, so we have our own development department for that. We create our own tool, which our SOC analysts use as a, a, front, a first line uh, uh, UI for across all of our customers. Uh, and we also use some uh, honeypots for that and, uh, and enrich data in there without having to connect everything to Sentinel to all of the individual customers. But that's specifically from an MSSP standpoint, of course. That's quite different than how a company would do it uh, themselves. Awesome. So yeah, and it's a good it's a good point, right? Talking about an MSSP and and, and kind of having a managed SOC or a managed uh, SIM, if you will, as a service. Because I think for a lot of organizations to do this well, you really need people that focus specifically on it, right? And that's yes, this is that's their true. job. And this is why I've always I've always kind of been you know um, uh, not not necessarily against, I guess, but. I've always kind of warned customers about just going and clicking buttons because a lot of them would say, well, hey, I've got some smart guys, you know, I got guys or gals, um, you know, working in my in my SharePoint team and they can go in and they can figure out Sentinel, no problem. And, yeah. Well, yes, but you there's no can. process. Correct. And yeah. yes, you can, but are you gonna are you gonna be really leveraging it to its full extent? And I think to be able to do that, you need folks that un that are security analysts that actually understand what it is that this process looks like. What is you know what it means to hunt for threats and 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 the Wi-Fi wi is breaking you up again. <laughs> yeah, like Nick Nicholas, you were also saying that the process is important, uh, and that's also uh, yeah. what we see. <laughs> 
I thought I'm going to fill in the blanks, but uh, is he coming back? Yeah, you can fill in the blanks on muted. Okay. No, but that's why the processes are so important. Uh, when when uh, customers onboard our service, uh, defining those processes is a major part of the whole engagement, of course, uh, uh, particularly who does what and where lies uh, certain responsibilities. And we also split up our uh, service into separate uh, products. So, uh, for example, we have we have uh, uh, one that protects certain applications. So if they want to onboard that, we have to go and sit together. What application mm -hmm. do you want to protect? What do, what do you want to be protected? Where do you want to trigger on? And what, what should happen uh, in under certain conditions? And who should be called in the middle of the night when, when certain things happen, for example? Uh, so that's important. And that's also why, that's interesting when I uh, people... Uh, 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 want to start using Sentinel and, and they ask for my help and then eventually along the line they tell me well it's quite a lot of work to, to look at all those incidents and make any sense out of it and uh, mm -hmm. who's going to create KQL detections for us etc so yeah that eventually it's also a way to, to uh, eventually bring them into our service uh, uh, although that's not uh, uh, that might have not been the primary uh, uh, objective when we started but uh, yeah it's like you said it's a lot of work Chris is back. Yeah, thanks. That, I, I am back. I'm sorry. My uh, connection has been really horrible tonight. No worries. Uh, so, oh. But um, that was going to be my next question, right, is where do people, where do organizations kind of start once they, mm. you know, they, they realize that perhaps they have a need and maybe they even have a little bit of an idea about what they want to protect. But they, you know, as often happens, they've heard the buzzword of SIM and Sentinel and all of these things thrown around. Uh, like what's the, what's the best place to start at ground zero? Um, and you may have just answered that as well uh, by by what you said. I, I also want to add in there. I also want to add in there. Like, what do you what do you find is the most popular um, entry point, or what is the thing that Sentinel seems to pick up the most? Like, what is the yeah. what is the most what is the most popular alert you get? The most uh, popular alert. Of, well, the most yeah, frequent like, alert is mostly yes. not the most popular one, right? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, like I mentioned before, if you have the if you have access to the Microsoft security stack and you're using all of those different products, I think it might already be beneficial to just enroll a Sentinel workspace and ingest those incidents for free into a single uh, workspace and leverage some automation uh, tasks. So I think the entry point can be quite low, but as uh, as you go along with it and onboard more law sources, it's obviously going to be more complex and you have to think about certain detections and pricing, etc. Um, so yeah, what, what's the most, uh, uh, most popular well, like I said, uh, the, the, um, adding some intelligence to the exist to to uh, automatically close existing uh, alerts or correlating alerts, for example. So, for example, you have the um, uh, uh, you have the, the the impossible travel and unfamiliar sign-in properties alerts from the Fender for Identity and uh, Azure AD Identity Protection, of course. And you can correlate them together. Uh, and that's also, by the way, what Sentinel does uh, quite well. So Microsoft uses Fusion. That's what they call their machine learning algorithms. So when you onboard those log sources into Sentinel, again, which is for free, it will automatically correlate those incidents together. So if Chris, for example, 
uh, was uh, logging in through a Tor network. And then uh, right after he engaged in an RDP connection on a machine and he uh, changed a, uh, I don't know, uh, an email forwarding rule, for example, within the same hour, uh, all of those incidents will be grouped together and receive a higher severity because machine learning uh, fusion detected that they might be related together. Um, so that's also a thing you benefit from straight away without paying any money. I'm known Sorry, for can creating, you just repeat, creating Can you just incidents. repeat that one more time for all, for all, for all my, my uh, competitors out there? <laughs> just one more time. Sorry, what did you say? For, for free. Okay. Yes, that's for sure free. Everybody heard that. And also, um, onboarding the Microsoft uh, security products into Sentinel is obviously ridiculously easy. If you want to onboard those things into Splunk, I, I, I can imagine you have to create service principles, gain access, uh, uh, communicate with the graph APIs, and now oh, it's just uh, one click of a button and the product is onboarded. That's also amazing. Yeah. Now, I'm obviously a big fan of Sentinel, um, but there are also, especially from the cost perspective, things you have to be careful with, especially, like I said, those networking logs or other chatty logs. Uh, and, and don't just onboard everything you have or onboard it because you were always used to do that. And that's always a struggle with the SOC analysts because they are used to having some data, so they want it again in their new SIM. Uh, so you have a discussion sometimes how necessary are those logs, how long are you going to... Uh, uh, store those logs? Is there somebody who's also doing, going to do some advanced hunting on those older logs to maybe create out uh, new detections? Uh, or are you going to work closely with maybe some red teaming, pen testing engagements and maybe deploy, uh, de creating detections and filling in some gaps uh, uh, from that approach as well? So I think, yeah, I mean, I think that, that kind of summarizes it really, really well is also, right, is, is have a plan. Uh, when when you yeah. start this, right, and and that <laughs> yeah. plan, the plan the plan may change over time because you may you know as an organization you may realize like hey I've bitten off more than I can chew and I might I might want to find a partner or an MSSP to kind of take over management and hunting mm. and all of the stuff for me. But regardless of which approach you take, um, as far as the operational management goes, you got to have a plan from where you start. Like what are you trying to secure? What sort of information yes. and sources do you need? Um, and don't be tempted, I guess, by just shoving every single thing into it. And I, and, I, and I say this from experience because I did that in my lab environment uh, a little, like a little while back, I was messing around with Sentinel when I, when I was living in the US and I had, you know, crazy amount of internet speed. And uh, I just took every single thing on my, on my home network that could log and just threw it into Sentinel yeah. and never looked at it again because uh, it was, um, it, that it sounds like fun though. <laughs> well, yeah, but I never looked at it again because, and I completely forgot about it until uh, until I started disconnecting all my stuff to move. And all of a sudden, I was like, "Well, hang on, I'm getting alerts for stuff here that I didn't even remember that I had set up." So you know, but yeah, have a plan. That's a good one. And another key takeaway I would add to that from a cost perspective, I see this happening with customers a lot, so maybe uh, uh, one of the listeners uh, can uh, uh, relate to this. Um, know how log analytics costs and sentinel costs are uh, are calculated and processed because if uh, so, so Sentinel is based on log analytics. So for log analytics, let's say you pay, uh, let's say $2 per gigabyte you ingest in it. It's a little bit more, I guess, and depending on the region, but let's say uh, for easy calculation, it's $2 per gigabyte. 
once you uh, enroll Sentinel on top of a workspace, that cost is almost doubled. It goes to almost $5 per gigabyte. So be careful with reusing existing workspaces. If you already have a workspace for Azure Monitor or Defender for Cloud, where you collect all your metrics from all your virtual machines and create nice dashboards, that's great and all. But if you apply Sentinel to that workspace, you're going to double the cost of that workspace without having any benefits from a security standpoint to those mm. metrics and logs coming into the workspace. So that's great advice. Microsoft tends to advise to use one consolidated workspace sometimes, and it might have some benefits because if you are willing to ingest all of your raw logs from your virtual machines anyway, then you don't want to send them to two workspaces, then it's beneficial to use one workspace. But mm. in most of the times I see it's maybe better to uh, to uh, think about creating a separate workspace for Sentinel and only storing your security-related logs in there to keep the costs low as well. And regarding costs, I, I also wrote an article about the pricing tiers. It's, it's a bit funny how it works. You have those uh, commitment tiers for log analytics. So let's say if you ingest 100 gigabytes a day, you can move away from pay-as-you-go to a 100 gigabyte commitment and you get some discount. But you also have that for Sentinel. So like I said before, you have the log analytics costs, that's one. And then you have the Sentinel cost on top of that. And both of them have pricing tiers and commitment tiers separate from one another. And the discount rates also differ. So for example, if you ingest 60 gigabytes a day in your Sentinel workspace, it's not beneficial yet to move to the 100 gigabytes pricing tier for log analytics. But due to the high discount rates you get on the Sentinel pricing tier, it's already beneficial to move to the 100 gigabytes a day pricing tier because that already is beneficial from 50 gigabytes a day. So I wrote uh, a very simple PowerShell script and an, and an Excel sheet which helps you calculate those thresholds based on your own costs. So maybe we can uh, link that in, uh, in the show notes afterwards uh, to help people. And because Microsoft does not help you with that, and you can obviously automate this. So based on a KQL query, you can see what your average ingest rate is on the last 30 days and def def determine what thresholds are ideal for you for optimal uh, discount rates. Uh, sorry, Warren. I'm going to give some hand out some discounts to the to the people. Um, <laughs> I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm all for it. Please go for it. For sure. Yeah. So that so Microsoft will. Uh, otherwise, you'll you'll be you'll be sticking with pay as you go for the rest of your life, and that's obviously a waste of money. So the money. So uh, have a, a, a clear eye on those uh, thresholds and those pricing tiers. Yeah, thank you for that. We'll make sure definitely to put your, your blog post uh, in the show notes because I, I, I went through that um, a little while back and it, it, it really made a lot of sense to me, right? It kind of helped kind of, because it's a confusing, a really, really confusing thing to try and figure it yeah. out. So yeah. definitely would link that. Um, so I think with that, um, you know, we're being conscious of the time here. I know uh, the three of you are just about to fire off your morning, um, whereas I'm about to uh, <laughs> kick my feet up. But uh, let's keep everyone kind of, getting to the next meeting on time and whatnot. Um, Coast, before we land, is there anything that you want to plug? Um, we've got your Twitter handle here on screen, um, but we can also obviously put that in the show notes. How do you want to be found if you want to be found at all? Uh, how can people reach out to you? Um, the floor is yours. Where are all these scripts? Where's this blog? Where are the scripts? Or all your scripts are belong to us. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's. I'm not sure if everybody's old enough to get that. Uh, that zeros. Me. I know. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, I try to uh, uh, write a monthly blog now on on my Medium page. So that's something I uh, decided uh, when the new year started to have at least one new article every month regarding something I'm working about, and it's mostly Sentinel related. Um, so uh, keep an eye on that one on my Medium page. Uh, it's medium.com slash at G. So, but we can also link it up, I, I assume, in the comments. And I will obviously share some stuff uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, so that's where you can find me. And uh, um, uh, for everybody in the Netherlands, I, uh, I try to attend some meetups and also uh, speak sometimes at, uh, at one of those. I have a, a, a meetup coming up next week in, uh, near Am in a city near Amsterdam. Uh, so maybe for everybody in the Netherlands, that's interesting. Azure Thursdays is the name. And I'm really talking about the AMA agent, so the Azure Monitoring Agent in combination with ARC uh, and the new Custom Logs Ingestion API are uh, some of the topics I'm going to, uh, to spend on then. Wow. Stunning. That sounds awesome. <laughs> well, look, we really appreciate your time and thank you for, for, ch for chatting to us. And, uh, you know, it sounds like we need to get you back on for another one because there's uh, sure. so much interesting com conversation here. Thanks for having me. Hey everyone, before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet. We'd love to hear what you have to say. At the Cloud Arc.